0: Let's begin with prayer, or continue with prayer, actually. (laughs) Father God, today, as we spend the next several Sundays preparing ourselves to meet with and remember our resurrected Lord, I pray that you especially speak to us and meet with us as, as we are spending time remembering the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood. Let us see in a new way what that really means. As we live in such a sterile, antiseptic society in some ways, and such a dirty society in other ways, Lord, I pray that you show us the amazing power of your blood today. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So, when I was in kindergarten, my parents got pulled aside at the emergency room to see if they were beating me up. Because one week I fell down in the living room and hit my chin on the coffee table, and I had to go in and get stitches. And then it wasn't much longer after I got those stitches out that I was outside running, and I ran right into a mailbox. I thought I was running so fast, I guess I thought I could go right through it. Cut my forehead. So I kind of hit the mailbox and staggered back, and I started going home, but I started feeling my face was hot. I touched my face, and I was bleeding everywhere. Just, I mean, the cut was maybe a centimeter long, but just blood. And once I saw the blood, I started screaming. It didn't hurt anymore, but the blood freaked me out. So, of course, I come into the house. And I don't know what I look like, but I probably just look like a bloody mess. And so my mom was just, ah, you know, we're back at the hospital. Of course, this is like the second time in a month that I've been in there bleeding all over the place. And they're, are you, are you beating your child? <laughs> it's like no, he's just running into stuff. You know, blood freaks us out sometimes. I had a nurse one time that was trying to take my blood, and she was squeamish about blood. She kept saying, "Don't look, don't look." I'm like, "Can I get somebody else?" <laughs> But we understand the importance of our own blood. Blood is one of those things that's necessary for life. I protect my blood. I don't want to see my blood outside my body. We also sometimes give our blood. And as we're getting moving towards Easter, we're going to do our part to save some lives by hosting a blood drive. Some of us are going to give blood. Others are going to find people to give blood. My blood can save one person. I'm actually going to be a what's called a power red donor this time. So my blood can save two people. Ooh. (laughs) But we've also lost some of the importance of blood in our culture. If when we make a contract, we sign our names with ink on paper. That's how we do it. Ancient people did not use ink or paper for contracts. They used blood. Now, even if it wasn't their own blood, there was always blood. And promises or covenants, unlike our paper contracts, if I don't like my paper contract, I hire myself a lawyer and say, get me out of this contract. But these blood promises, these blood covenants, they were unbreakable. And by, by sealing them in blood, I was saying, my life is on the line. Blood was important. But what's so important about Jesus' blood? I mean, I can easily understand why Jesus needs his blood. It's the same reason I need my blood. To live. But why does Jesus say, I need his blood to live? I've got my own blood. Why do I need Jesus' blood? And so through the season of Lent, we're going to be discovering the blood of Jesus. We're going to talk about what Jesus said about his own blood. And we're also going to spend some time, a couple of weeks, just looking at the bleeding of Jesus. You see, my blood can save one person. Jesus' blood can save the world. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 26. If you want to open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles if you're using your device, Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 17. It says, On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Go into the city to a certain man, he said, and tell him, The teacher says, My time is near. I am celebrating the Passover at your place with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. The Passover is a covenant, a blood covenant, but the Passover is a single protection. If you're following on your notes, the Passover is a single protection. Jesus and his disciples are preparing to eat the Passover meal. They are celebrating and remembering their ancestors' salvation from the death of the firstborn sons and their eventual freedom from Egypt. It's a celebration and a remembrance. Now, the original, remember I said in covenants, life is on the line. The original life on the line was every firstborn son. And so the blood part of the covenant was the lamb that they were going to eat that night. They would take that lamb's blood, and the promise was for death to pass over, or even a better way to say it might be for God to protect the lives in that house because the blood of the lamb was on the doorpost and the lintel. So the house was marked with blood. That was the covenant. For that one night, they would be protected. And so now you move ahead in history to Jesus and his disciples. The disciples and Jesus are not being freed from slavery or oppression that night. There is no angel of death moving through Jerusalem that night that's going to kill the firstborns. Death does not come every year at Passover to kill firstborn sons anymore that happened once so they're not participating in this event to save themselves now but to remember that they're reaping the benefits of God saving their ancestors in the past it's not to say that God doesn't still save of course he still does but the Passover was a promise a covenant for a one time event a promise for one day And they're remembering that one time event. It's the same as when we celebrate Independence Day in the United States. We don't declare our freedom from Britain every year and start a war. That happened 200 plus years ago. We remember it. We celebrate it. We shoot off our fireworks and eat barbecue. But we're not worried about every year Britain is going to invade us again and we need to declare our freedom again. It's a remembrance for one day. And so at this Passover meal, we get the passage that we often read before we participate in this in 1 Corinthians 11, 23-25. The Apostle Paul writes, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He's foreshadowing something for them. It's in the same way the cross. The cross is a one-time event. We don't re-crucify Jesus every month or every week that we take the Lord's table. It's an event that we remember because it still has ramifications on me today. One-time event, but after-effects. but celebrations are not always enough, right? I mean, which is better? Me celebrating my marriage once a year or me living in my marriage covenant every day? I know which my wife would appreciate more. Even though she'd like to go out to eat on our anniversary, I need to live in it every day and not just celebrate that I got married once a year. Ideally, i I'd do both, right? But if I had to choose... I would choose the covenant of a lifetime rather than the covenant of a day. Passover was covenant for a day. And so as they're moving into this Passover meal, back to Matthew, now in verse 20, it says, When evening came, he, that's Jesus, was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed, each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. He replied, The one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. Judas, his betrayer, replied, Surely not I, Rabbi. You have said it, he told him. So whereas the Passover was a single protection for a day, now we got discipleship. Discipleship is a repeated cleansing. Discipleship's a repeated cleansing. During the celebration, Jesus informs his disciples that one of them is a traitor. One of them's a traitor. And now, Jesus and the disciples are in a relationship, but it's not a blood covenant yet. There's different ways to set up covenant relationships. I mean, our passage today about the temptation of Jesus, Satan is trying to get Jesus, one, to break his covenant with God. Throw yourself off this building. Hasn't God made a covenant with you that you won't get hurt? And when that doesn't work, he says, How about I make you a new covenant, Jesus? You worship me, and I'll give you everything. So not all covenants are in blood the the relationship between a rabbi and and his disciples typically a disciples disciples would choose their rabbi say i like this rabbi i'm going to go follow him but in jesus case he chose them first he called them first and then they chose to respond so their their commitment was verbal it was a verbal agreement and Jesus, we also know from like uh, Mark chapter 5, 18 to 19, he discouraged some people from following him. So Jesus chooses his disciples and they choose him back. Now a student would follow their rabbi until the student was trained enough to be a rabbi themselves. And Jesus, when he, amongst his many disciples that he chose, he Designated twelve as apostles. He didn't designate them as many rabbis. See, once somebody was, if I was being trained as a rabbi, once I'm a rabbi, I could teach the Torah however I choose. But Jesus, setting aside twelve of his disciples as apostles, he didn't send them out to go teach the Torah. He sent them out to go teach the kingdom of God and proclaim Him. Is Jesus go out and proclaim the kingdom of God is here. You know, Baptize people in my name. <laughs> and a typical student and rabbi in Jesus' day might be bivocational. Didn't always make money making being a rabbi, so you might have a trade as well. And in fact, a student needed, if a student was married, if they were going to be with their rabbi more than 30 days, they had to get permission from their wife. And we don't know how much Jesus' disciples followed this stuff, but in Matthew 19 27, Peter says to Jesus, We have left everything to follow you. So they definitely have this verbal commitment and a very tight relationship, perhaps more than even other rabbis of the day. They are following Jesus around. They, 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 at the, after, uh, The resurrection, sometimes for a little bit, go back to their trade of fishing, but they left everything to follow Jesus. And I'm going to say something today. This is kind of my little soapbox thing about mentoring, you know, and not everybody's here. Maybe some people are watching online. Uh, I hear in books I read and stuff I, I, Listen to and read on culture that our younger generations, our millennials and Gen Z, that they want mentoring from from older people. Um, and I realize mentoring has to take different shapes. You know, we don't mentor today exactly like Jesus did. I don't make somebody a mentor. Well, you got to come live with me and hang out with me and do everything I do. Um, but no matter the time period or or, or the culture, mentoring takes. Time. It takes time. And one of the things that I see also with younger people, while they might desire mentoring, they don't always put want to put in the time. You know, I'm busy, you're busy, and as me is older me being part of the older generation, I gotta put in the time as well. I gotta make time. I'm currently mentoring a pastor named Drew. And when he first approached me he sent me a message. He said, Do you have time to mentor me? I said, I will make time to mentor you. Just as he has to make time to be mentored. Now, Drew's in another state, so we use technology. You know, we get on the computer and we video chat, but once a week we do it. We talk for an hour. We've got to spend the time. And it's kind of cool because Drew doesn't necessarily need mentoring. I'm learning stuff from Drew, he's no slouch. <laughs> So Jesus and his disciples have this mentoring, this rabbi-student relationship that they've made a verbal agreement and are committing the time to. It's not yet a blood covenant. And so they're all in this relationship, and the disciples can't figure out who the traitor is. Because potentially, it's all of them. (laughs) They're all saying, is it me, Jesus? You'd think... I would know if it was me, but they're not even sure if it's themselves. Because every one of them is going to desert Jesus. Peter, like the head of the disciples, is going to deny Jesus three times. It's all of them. Just one of them is going to do it worse. <laughs> they're all sinners. And it's important to remember what happened just before this that's recorded in John. John thirteen five through 11 Right before they have started this meal, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It says, He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. But Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. The one who has bathed, Jesus told them, doesn't need to wash everything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. So part of this relationship with Jesus is he's made them all clean, except for one, which we know to be Judas. He says, you're all clean. But I still need you to have clean feet perpetually. Because you still get dirty when you walk around. And you all all need to continue to clean each other's feet, he would go on to say. Passover was a one time event the cleaning of the disciples gets repeated they don't always need to clean their whole body but they need to clean their feet people need to be saved from death one time disciples need to be repeatedly purified of their sins This is an ongoing thing Jesus might be not just letting them know that the traitor is there to prepare them for Judas, but he's also letting them know, guess what? You're all going to need some forgiveness in the future. You're all going to feel like traitors. You're all going to need some cleaning. It doesn't matter how good I wash my car in the spring. I'm going to need to wash it again. You know, Right now, we've got the uh, coronavirus going around, and especially in China, and it's moving around. And the protection that, that most of the uh, healthcare workers are using is single-use protection. That's good. They are thankful for that. But it only serves its initial purpose once. And then next time you go in, guess what? They gotta get a new one. You don't just keep walking around in your dirty, contaminated suit. Get a new suit. They need to be if they're gonna do their job, they need to be perpetually clean. Not just get a clean suit one time. And Jesus challenges with this John 1 John one seven through ten. We are commanded, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, so we're cleansed from all sin. But then he says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Wait a minute, I thought we were cleansed from all sin. Well, because we might sin again. (laughs) It's not that we are unsaved at that point. But we're not perfect yet. And so verse 9 tells us, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Jesus knows we're going to get dirty. So get clean. It's a perpetual thing, being a disciple. Discipleship is moving from the one-time event of being cleansed to a lifetime event of continually being transformed and made better. We celebrate when a person comes to faith in Christ, Jesus. And we should continue to celebrate every time a person continues to live in that faith and get cleaner. That's the discipleship relationship, continually cleansing. Jesus doesn't want to do just a one-time thing with me. Okay, you're cleansed. See you later, Paul. See you when you die. Jesus wants to continually make me better. So they finish their meal, or they get into their meal. Verse 26. It says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now we finally get to blood. Blood is forgiveness forever. Passover was a one-time event. Discipleship is a continuing event. Blood is forgiveness forever. Jesus, with this act, he is beginning to move their verbal covenant to a blood covenant. He takes the unleavened Passover bread, bread that originally symbolized preparing for a quick departure from slavery, is now a symbol of the sinless sacrifice of his body. Jesus gives thanks for this cup. He has this cup of wine. There's actually several cups during the Passover. And it's interesting. Exodus 12 is the original Passover, the one-time event. No mention is made of what they drink. There's lamb. There's bread. There's bitter herbs. The blood of the lamb is important. They didn't consume the blood of the lamb. The Israelites marked their household with it. They didn't drink the blood. We don't know what the people drank at the first Passover. They might have had wine. They might have had water. There was no instruction on the drink. But by the time of Jesus, wine is definitely a part of the Passover. Everybody drinks wine at the Passover. Probably well before this, but for sure by the time of Jesus, this is just how you do it. Why? Because it's a celebration. And so Jesus takes the celebratory wine and he relates it to the blood sacrifice. The lamb saying, this is a covenant made in my own blood. Now the fact that Jesus then had them drink it, that's going to be the subject of next week's message. Today we're focusing on the fact that covenants or promises, these contracts are always made with a blood sacrifice. And Jesus saying the new covenant that God promises between God and God's people, it's not made with the sacrifice of any animal. The lamb's blood's not going to cover it anymore. It's not the blood from the lamb on the table, but Jesus Jesus says, it's my own blood. This is not just protection from death, this is forgiveness from sins. And Jesus says, and I'm not going to repeat this. I'm not going to repeat the sacrifice, I'm not going to repeat the covenant ceremony. Even in remembrance, you guys will. (laughs) He says, but I only have to do this one time until I see all my disciples in the kingdom of God the Father. Then we'll all celebrate together. The completion of this covenant. In some ways, it's kind of, the best thought I could think of is like immunization. If I get an immunization, it's supposed to be good for my lifetime. And if everybody gets their immunization, then stuff should go go away. You know, polio should have been gone. Whooping cough should be gone. Measles should be gone. But not everybody gets their stuff. Now, we can have different debates another time about immunizations. But I'm just talking about the thought of the immunization. It's supposed to be something for your life. And Jesus has moved these Covenants from a one-day thing to a repeated thing to an eternal thing. And Jesus putting himself in the place of that lamb now makes perfect sense. Why John the Baptist would say in John one twenty-nine, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, three years later, we get it. Jesus at the Passover table is saying, I'm the lamb. My blood is the covenant. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, 1-4, puts it this way. In verse 10, he says, Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshippers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise they wouldn't have stopped being offered since the worshipers purified once for all would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices there's a reminder of sin year after year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. He says, the, the, Israelites in the time of Moses and beyond, they were in a discipleship relationship with God. Got to keep purifying my sins. Got to keep purifying my sins. Keep offering this sacrifice, bulls, goats, lambs. Verse 10, Hebrews 10, By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. The Passover lamb just isn't enough. Doesn't even make it for a year. As I said before, Jesus doesn't want to do a one time thing with me. Jesus wants to continually make me better. And Jesus' blood seals an eternal covenant. Not just a one time covenant, but a lifetime covenant. In fact, an eternal covenant that goes beyond my lifetime to the kingdom of God. As I said before, on April 10th, I'm going to donate blood. I'm going to do my power red donation, so I might be able to save two people. You know why else they want my blood? Because I'm African American. So my blood helps people with sickle cell anemia. Cool. Got good blood. And in the end, I am really, really sure not one person that my blood helps will know me at all. There will be no relationship, no covenant between us. My blood may help someone one time and then they might need help again. Donating blood still worth it. Blood given, even if it's my blood, is life given. But eventually, both the person I help and even me We are both going to die. My blood's just not that good. We're both still potentially imperfect sinners before God. My blood can't take away sins. Be better off with a lamb. Just to be quite honest. The lamb's probably sinned less than I have. (laughs) But Jesus' blood. Jesus is pure blood. That's an eternal covenant of life that you can receive, that I can receive. His blood given is life given. Let's pray. From Psalm 32. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and show you the way to go with my eye on you. I will give you counsel. So do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit or bridle or else it will not come near you. Many pains come to the wicked. But the one who trusts in the Lord will have faithful love surrounding him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Lord, today, that forgiveness comes through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for it. There is nothing I can do on my own, no sacrifice I can make on my own, that would even get me by a day. But the blood of Jesus saves me for all time. or today as we are preparing to remember let's not remember for a day or a minute or an hour but let's walk in the light as you are in light be disciples that get that perpetual cleansing that perpetual that that eternal freedom that comes by your blood We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together, Jesus paid it all.